This podcast episode is brought to you by Uncaged with RobinAnn.com, where virtuous women dominate in purpose, passion, and purity. Tired of being sabotaged by perfectionism and procrastination? Finding it hard to focus on one thing long enough to make real progress? Ready to do whatever it takes to get that passion project done? Then the Women Who Finish 40-Day Devotional book is for you. In this book, Robin Ann coaches you through mindset shifts to fulfill God's call in your life and truly harness your ability to finish what you start instead of feeling stuck and frustrated with where you are. Get your devotional book now at robinann.com forward slash IG. Research shows that recruiters and hiring managers spend under one minute looking at resumes when searching for candidates. Well, if you're gonna upgrade your career, that means not only does your resume need to have substance, it's got to stand out and communicate value very quickly. I interviewed Tristan Layfield of Layfield Consulting because I thoroughly enjoyed his resources and career coaching tips. They got my attention, they gave me value quickly, and I just like the guy. His work as a resume writer and career coach is to help others boss up and stand out in their resumes and cover letters. Check out this latest episode. Welcome, 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 Tristan, to the She Ventures Now podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) How's your day going? It's going good. Going good. Just got home from work and starting the extra work that I do uh, (laughs) with my business. Yes. We are two peas in a pod. I completely understand how that feels. Um, what I wanted to do, I wanted you to know, and like I said earlier, I was, I've was i been looking forward to this, uh, this interview with you because I've been following you on IG. And <laughs> as you know, I reached out to you for you to be a guest on the She Ventures Now podcast on our series called Upgrading Your Career. And so mm-hmm. I want to give space for you to tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. First, let me say thank you for reaching out to me. It was the first time that like, someone that I didn't know who had a podcast has reached out to me and I was like, oh my God, this is really a thing. Um, but um, yeah, a little bit about me. So I am based in Metro Detroit uh, and I'm a, I'm a career coach and resume writer and I really approach that um, in, in career development with my clients by combining their own personal brand with their professional fields, right? So I do that through strategic coaching and the development of resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn profiles that are that are marked by consistency and fusion of keywords and unique formatting that really help my clients stand out. Yeah, and how long have you been doing that? Because for me, it seems like you've been doing this for like 15 years. <laughs> you've just got such a great presence on your IG and professionalism on your IG. So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so actually, as a business, I've only been doing it since January of 2017. So just over about really? a year and a half. Yeah. That's yeah. Adventures, so we've been. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, we're twins. We're twins. Um, but yeah, so only about a year and a half, though I've been helping people with their resumes and sort of career um, related topics for some time now because I was a hiring manager. 
prior to doing all of this stuff. Um, so, so, you know, I have a little bit of experience, but as an actual business owner, only about a year and a half. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem that way at all. In fact, let's just jump right in and get into the meat of this, because as mm-hmm. you know, and I hope you maybe or maybe not checked out some of my previous episodes, I really mm-hmm. like to tell the story behind the emerging mm-hmm. entrepreneur or the career coach or whomever mm-hmm. I have as a thought leader on these podcasts, because my belief is that a lot of times when people are looking for encouragement to solve their problems, they get wooed or they get pulled towards their own victory or their own touchdown through stories, right? Through yep. hearing how you overcame or how you became, um, overcame your issue or your hurdle and also how you became Tristan Layfield, how you became the career coach that you are now. So how about this? Tell us some unique moments in your life that led you to your career path. Yeah, well, um, so I would say it starts in college. So in, I went to the University of Michigan where I was pre, pre-med. Um, oh, wow. I decided in my junior year that medicine wasn't really for me, um, you know, and since I wasn't dedicated to it, I was not going to put myself through the MCAT or any of that stuff. So, um, you know, I just sort of was like, okay, well, I'm just going to com- finish this degree and then figure it out. Um, I had no real clue of what I was going to do. Um, you know, but I, I knew I liked things in the field of science. So um, I ended up doing research directly out of school. Um, we'll probably talk about what happened with that a little bit later. I but like I, it, I saw your recent article on Muse. I didn't get a chance to read it, but I saw yes. the post. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely touch on that. But I, I did a little bit of research. I left there. I ended up in retail um, right. trying to pay the bills for a while. Um, and where I really hit my stride as a professional is I got a job with a company named Thermo Fisher Scientific. They're a I'm biotech familiar. company. Yeah, they're a biotech company. So um, I was a site specialist, sort of a customer service rep for them um, yeah. for some time. And then I in, ended up moving into a regional supervisor role where I oversaw 23 direct reports over four different states, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that really is where I gained a lot of you know, really my my stride as a professional, but a lot of my background in hiring and, and sort of the HR recruiting realm, right? Because I was doing I was doing hiring for my not only my team, but I was helping, you know, other managers and other directors with the hiring of their teams as well. So I sat on the other side of the table and really, really seen what those hiring managers and recruiters are looking yeah. for. It's insightful experience, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, when you're on the applicant side of the table, you just really don't know what's happening, right? You, you know you apply and mm. your thing's going to black holes and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but then when you get in it and you're a hiring manager, you sort of see all of the things that happen on the other side. You know, the 150, 200 applicants you get for every job or, yeah. you know, the, just, just different things that people are looking for in resumes for certain yeah. types of positions. So um, it was really great. It was a really great experience um, and it really gave me a lot of my managerial skills and leadership skills that I have today. Yeah. And do you think that those experiences really funneled into you choosing to become a career coach or were there other experiences that really kind of helped you pin, pinpoint yourself as like, I'm going to do this hardcore? Yeah. So that time during a hiring ma- being a hiring manager for them, it really helped me decide that I was going to move into this field. So um, during that time, I had a lot of friends and family who were asking me to help them either with their resumes or help them find jobs. Yeah. Um, 
and, and you know, I was doing it out of the kindness of my heart for them, no charge, no nothing. Um, and I started to notice that, okay, I was helping these people and they were actually getting jobs and in the fields they were looking to be in. So I was like, okay, you're onto something here, guy. I don't know what it is, but you're onto something. Yeah. Um, so I actually was, it was the end of 2016. I was actually getting ready to leave that job to, to go to the job that I'm in now. And I was like, I should really just start this company. So I, I decided to just go head first. And, um, you know, I took all the skills that they've given me. Um, you know, they gave me a ton of interview questions and things of that sort. And I just sort of utilized all that knowledge that they, they really gave me and, and put it into, you know, developing something for myself that was really me. Beautiful, beautiful. So I want to segue now into a little bit more juice, right? A little bit yeah. more of like, give us Layfield, give us who's Tristan, the man, the myth, the legend, the person behind Layfield Resident. Um, tell us something about, tell us some of your experiences of setbacks or failures in your career that help you really, I guess, provide that human business model, right? Help you yeah. be compassionate towards people when they come to you for resume help or career coaching. Yeah. So I think the biggest failure or setback in my career that sort of has set me on the trajectory that I'm on was I was actually fired from my first job out of college. Um, and that, yes, uh, that was the Muse article that you referenced. Um, and so, yeah, I was fired. I was doing research um, for, the, for the University of Michigan. Right. Um, and, I, and I uh, ended up going to Chicago one weekend with a friend. So I took that Friday off and it happened to be a Friday where we had to put in our time cards. Right. Um, and so there was a common glitch known around campus that um, sometimes when you put in your time card, there's three slots for you to put in your time, your regular time, your PTO and your sick time. Well, it was very common knowledge that the glitch happens sometimes where your PTO and sick time don't show up. Um, so what, what people often did is, you know, if you're on salary, they just marked it as a day that you worked and then you mark another day as PTO or sick yeah. or whatever the case may be. So, you know, that's what I did at that point in time. Uh, and I come back from work. Uh, well, I come back from the trip, excuse me, and go to work only to find out that my boss is like, hey, we have a meeting. Um, let's, let's go in there. And I just thought we were reporting out on, on some of the data that we found. And no, I walk in there, it's our principal investigator, HR, my boss, and they're basically like, hey, so we noticed you've reported some time that uh, you didn't work. And, you know, we're basically going to have to either let you go or, or you can quit or whatever the case may be. Um, wow. they, did, they did offer me an opportunity to take it to um, a judiciary panel. But if I went there and they ruled against me, I wouldn't be able to work there ever again. I'd be blacklisted. So um, it was a whole ordeal. And, you know, for this to be the first job out of college, I am just dazed and confused and lost. Oh <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I left there in a fit of tears, which, you know, wow. continued, continued for, you know, some hours. Um, and, and really, it was, it was a pivotal point for me because at that point in time, you know, I don't know how many people out there have been fired or whatever the case may be. But when you're in that point, you feel like you're the only one, right? You feel like you've never, no one's ever experienced this ever yeah. again. Um, the worst thing that could ever happen to me. I'm so embarrassed. I can't tell anybody. Exactly. Two people can know. And if they know, this is going to be used against me. And it makes me look exactly. like the only one. Yes. Yes. All of that. Um, so, you know, I, I really had to sit down 
um, and tell myself, okay, you have time to have this pity party for this amount of time. You get a day of pity party and beyond that, you need to go into action because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. brother, you got bills to pay. Okay. Right, right. Um, you know, um, and it really showed me that we hear a lot of people say that, you know, these companies are loyal. They aren't loyal to you. Um, so a lot of people are like, well, why should I be loyal to them? I don't necessarily ex- I don't necessarily go that far per se. Yes, you should always watch out for your own interests. But, um, you know, I, I did realize that, you know, the companies have no loyalty to you. And, and, and no. that that means that, you know, you need to make sure that you're covering yourself in every aspect. You need to make sure that, you know, you sort of, not always are planning for the worst, but you do, but you do have a backup plan that you have something that's going yeah. on, right? Yeah. Um, and then it also just gave me the compassion for people who are coming to me who've been fired or who've been laid off or who haven't been able to find a job for months. And, you know, I, I understand those stories and I feel for those people. And it, it really, um, I think it really strengthens my connection with those clients that I get that really fall into that that thing right they no longer feel like they are the only one they no longer feel that they have to be embarrassed because literally the person who's helping me through it has been through it right right yeah. um really really interesting story i didn't i didn't again like i hadn't read the news article i had known but i know when you get fired it can leave a sting and it, yeah. it can make you or break you confidence yep. wise for sure yep make yep um, especially yep. when it comes down to questioning you know why did you leave your last job it's like oh yeah yes over and over again oh my gosh yes and you know uh, the the biggest lesson i think i also learned is that it showed me that career paths are not always linear right exactly step that's exactly go ahead go ahead go ahead ahead. you know so like sometimes Sometimes you have to take a step back in order to move forward, or sometimes you have to get those setbacks in order to propel you into what your your greatness or what you're going to become, right? So I think that was that was a really great lesson for me to learn as someone who is 21, 22 years old, right? Still, really early in my career. Um, so you know, it while it was a very horrible time at that point in time, I look back on it. Um, very fondly because it really gave me a lot of strength, a lot of courage, a lot of confidence after the fact, once I reconciled all the thoughts I was dealing with at that exactly. point in time. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I feel like that's going to touch some people's lives, especially because I think people deal with fire, being fired as a, as a, and, and, and feel stigma. They feel stigma, yeah. you know, I've yep. been fired. Yep. Oh my gosh, what was me? And I think some people are going to be encouraged by that story. Do you have any other setback stories? Just before I don't want to push past it. You know, right. Right now, that, that's the top one that, that comes to mind at okay. this point in time. I think, I think we're good there. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, my next question is, what are some of the aha moments that I think, again, that may not be as big as a setback or a lesson learned in that, that instance, um, mm-hmm. but aha moments along the way that I think, again, um, as career coaches, we see them as aha moments, but people don't even notice that they are aha moments and their mindset mm-hmm. that you, you kind of go through, life teaches you or books teach you or mentors teach you. What are some of those aha moments? Yeah, so I actually have one that I'm actually, I recently have gone through. So I'm, I'm going to start there. Sure. Um, so as we talked about before, I'm a full-time entrepreneur and a full-time employee. Um, so at one point, I there like was a that. point. I like that you said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm full-time in both of those. I, I put in about 40 wow. hours a week on both sides. I'm with you. Uh, 
<laughs> so there was a point where I was very, very happy with what was going on in my business. Like I was so excited and so grateful of what was happening that I actually began to become dissatisfied and sort of um, disgruntled with my day job, right? I became um, one of those employees who was just, you know, loathing going to work every morning and, and feeling like this job was an obstacle to the success I was trying to attain in my business, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for it really had me in a funk for a while and to a point where it started to affect the things I was doing in my business as well, right? Because you get into a funk or a depression state and you just don't want to do things. It's just Absolutely. what it is, right? Yeah. So um, I really had to work on shifting my mentality. Um, it, it came to a point where I finally figured out how to sort of balance the two. And it really was me starting to consider my day job as my largest client. Right? Very good. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it's my largest client that has me on a retainer that pays me twice, a week, that pays me biweekly, requires eight hours of work a day, yep. um, you, you know, and so that really helped shift the dynamic of the relationship I had with my job in my head, right? Yeah. Um, it allowed me to understand that there were parallels between the job and my business, um, very similar to like, you know, if I have a client that I just don't feel like is a right fit for my program, then I, I reserve the right to not work with them because we both are not going to get what we need out of this, right? And so the same really goes for my job. If I'm, if I'm not satisfied or I don't want to, to work with them, this is a business relationship and I have, that, I have the agency at any point in time to sever ties with them. Yeah. Um, you know, so... Really good. Aha. Uh -huh. You might want to break that yeah. down. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, so like it, it was one that happened for me not too long ago. I'd say probably the past four or five months um, that that really stuck out to me, right? Um, and then another thing that another aha moment that I had is when I finally took this regional supervisor role for Thermo Fisher Scientific because at that point in time, like. I am high up in this organization, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm doing a lot of work and a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm, I was literally at that point, one of the youngest supervisors in my division in the country. Right. Um, so, you know, for me, I sort of looked back on it and I was like, whoa, I really have gotten here and I've gotten here really off the strength of my merit and my hard work. And without little, uh, with little direction, you know, we, we were never taught to, obtain or let alone maintain a career um so for me to get to that point in my career was like whoa you've really done something um and now at that point in time the aha was really you need to reach back and help other people get to this point nice. right yeah um and i think that's one of the things that we think sometimes just because we are an employee somewhere that you know we don't really have a lot to teach people and that is completely incorrect yeah you know what I love about hearing your aha moments? I think mm -hmm. that they, your aha moments help dispel and help create um, stronger emotional health for people yeah. who are in a position of discontentment with their job or who have um, maybe heightened expectations in, in their phase of startup with, with their own business idea, right? Because I yep. think one of the things that I've found, and I'm sure you've seen this too, is this glamorized idea about entrepreneurship on IG, on social media, 
Um, and I think that I've seen it for the, from the from the time that I realized, oh my gosh, I'm I'm sort of gifted and I have a heritage and I have a background in entrepreneurship from my family. I, you know, I've made myself very aware of like social media trends on how we're depicting entrepreneurship. And it's very glamorized. It's very much so like yeah. black and white. Like as soon as you know you have a business idea quit your job and like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to have employee mindset and da, 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 da. And then you find organizations who use entrepreneurship as almost like, like I, I remember being interviewed by someone who had, was well-intending. It's like, oh, well, you have an employee mindset. You shouldn't have an employee mindset. Almost like, oh my gosh, you're, you're not a fit because you don't know how to, it, it's, it's, it's so bad. Like I can't stand any form of binary thinking yeah. um, in, in certain regards, but it's so interesting how, you know, people can become very emotionally unhealthy by disrespecting mm -hmm. things that are good for them, like having a stable yeah. job, um, yep. not treating your job like your first and main client, you know, who's yeah. providing a lot of benefits, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're yeah. providing a lot of overhead for you to do your work. If you think about it, it's yep. <laughs> they're doing a great thing. Um, but the second piece, yeah. go ahead, I didn't mean it, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, I really hate the the narrative that's being pushed when it comes to entrepreneurship of, oh, you need to quit your job or, oh, you know, you got the employee mindset because if we're all bosses, who's going to work for us, right? There has to be, there has to be employees out there and we should not diminish this. Our economy will not, not run all. without employees. Absolutely. Um, you know, so it, it's really, it's really imperative that we start pushing the narrative that you can do both. You can do one, you can do the other, whatever the case it is, it's all needed. It's yeah. all needed. We need everyone there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> you, you don't have to start a business to, to be a boss. Yeah. It's a, it's weird hierarchy, right? It's like yeah. push or change the goalposts every time. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, we create this hierarchy, like being an entrepreneur is at the height, at the height of being sex, uh, self-actualized, right? So yeah. Oh, well, if you're an employee, you're not as self-actualized. And really, at the end of the day, you can have a very fulfilling life as a great employee. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and like the thing about it is it's not glamorous. Everybody doesn't want to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. I report into work at 8 a.m. I leave anywhere between 4 and 430. But the thing about it is I come home. I work until midnight, 1 a.m. on my business. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning so I can then work more before I go to my job. Right. Right. And like everybody doesn't want to do that. Everybody nope. doesn't have. It's not that they don't have the dedication. It may just be they don't want to do it, right. and that's okay. Yeah, and and I don't think people understand that side of entrepreneurship either. You mm -hmm. know, the part that no one else sees is that to even give yourself at the at the professional grade that you're giving yourself requires mm -hmm. so much more work than yep. everyone else sees. So. It's just yep. good. It's good. I also, again, like, I want to say this because I have a big heart for emotional health. Um, mm -hmm. I just think that people need to recognize you have to think positively about mm -hmm. work, right? Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't let it get you down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on my, my soapbox about <laughs> it, but I just know that there's something in me that just loves the fact that you're talking about correcting yeah. narratives. I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, the thing about it is, is it's so it, one thing is it's okay to have negative thoughts about your job, right? That is okay. It happens to every one of us. But if it's coming something that's very consuming, then you need to sit back and assess whether that job is the right fit for you. Exactly. And if it and if it's not, you have the agency to change that. Right. That's 
that's what it is. It's all on you. And then that means whether you don't know where to start and you decide to go out and get somebody like myself or like you to go and help you figure out where to start or whether you do know where to start and you just hit the ground running, you can change that. You don't have to be there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's funny. There's stats and I love, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this podcast. Her name is, uh, it starts with a K. Uh, behind the business suit, I don't forget. I forget her. Behind the business suit, she she gives stats all the time about how, you know, not only if you dress better, but if you're happier. Typically, mm-hmm. the correlation is people who are happy at their job make more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't get raised, yep. get promotion. So it all yep. kind of comes in alignment. Yep. Um, the next question I have for you, Tristan, is what's your what's your professional opinion about how to restart your career? I mean, we kind of touched up on it just a second ago, but I want to hear from you uh, as a fellow career coach. What's your professional opinion about that? Um, so I think for me, there's two steps that I would say um, that are really big for that. The first would be you need to revamp your resume, um, the, you know, because the things that you would focus on as a project manager, let's say, would not be the things you would focus on if you're trying to go into marketing. So, you know, you really need to sit down and assess the highlights and the achievements throughout your career and identify the things that are transferable and to start to really highlight those things on inside of your, your resume, because that's what's going to start helping you break into that new industry or break into that new career, right? Um, and then another thing that I would say is um, rebuild your network. Um, <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. You know, you know, and I know that like only about 20% of jobs come from job listings. Right. 80% of them come from networks and referrals. So you really need to revamp your, your, your network. And you want to do that by, um, you know, attending industry specific networking events, um, you know, I, identifying key players on LinkedIn and connecting with them and genuinely interacting with them to develop and build that relationship. Um, because these are going to be people that you're going to be able to um, call on to either learn more about the things you're trying to do or um, through informational interviews or um, build a relationship with them to a point where they'll, they decide they do want to be a referral for you, right? right. Um, even though referrals only make up about 7% of job applications, I think they account for 40% of placement. Right. Um, so, you know, those things are very, very critical. If you're trying to restart your career or you're trying to break into a new industry, um, you, you really want to focus on those two main things, because I think those are going to be the things that are really going to help you get where you want to go. That's so good. Um, do you think that people, this is, a, this is a tangential, <laughs> but it's related. Do you think that people forget that they have to rebuild their network? Cause I almost find that you know, networking is such a such a buzz term, right? Your mm-hmm, network, mm-hmm. network, your network, whatever. <laughs> but sometimes I find, you know, I sense hesitance from mm-hmm. people who are trying to rebuild their career in actually mm-hmm. just getting out there and do, doing the work of networking. Mm-hmm. There's a hesitation. Yeah, I agree. There's a hesitation. I don't think that it's. I don't think that it's always people don't know or don't remember that you need to rebuild your network, yeah. your network or your connections. I think that it's more people are scared and don't know where to start. Um, you know, networking can be a very daunting thing. And a lot of us are introverts and we don't like to talk to people all the time and this, that, and the other. And networking involves a certain amount of small talk, with a, which a lot of people hate and this, that, and the other. But um, 
I think it's really people don't know how to start and they don't know how to network properly to really gain the thing that they want or need, right? So you you really don't want to just go to anything that has network attached to it because (laughs) (laughs) you know odds are you're not going to come away with what you want right um you really need to be intentional about who's going to be there what are your goals while you are there who do you want to connect with what are you going to say right how are you going to sell yourself those are all things you want to do and they can be very fruitful um you know one of the things that i did recently is i attended a um, retreat called the build your own brand retreat back in may and i went into that and i was like look i want to connect with some of these panelists and i want to see what opportunities are out there there were like three specific ones i wanted to connect with and next thing i know literally last week i dropped an article on one of their sites um you know you know i because I went into it intentionally with knowing who was going to be there, what I wanted out of these interactions, what I could provide them and what they could provide me because it's a two-way street. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I found in what you just said, and this actually was one of the first rapid fire questions you already answered. It was great. Um, what, I, what I love about what you're saying though, it's uh, it, it relates back to the whole agency piece, but even says mm-hmm. it even relates to this concept that I'm, I'm developing in my own curriculum and in mind mm-hmm. is, um, this person, this ability to be a personal executive for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Like make an executive decision about what exactly you want and making sure that you're going to increase the probability of you getting it, even Mm -hmm. when there's so much uncertainty, right? Networking, there's the, the, the level of uncertainty in networking is like, it's so regular like it's so expected right you you go to these networking events and even the way they marketing they market them is for you to be attracted to come but Mm. you never know what you're going to expect sometimes the events are just poorly done sometimes they're well done and it's just you're inundated with so many people and so much information let alone the emotion of a of a great networking event but at the end of the day one of the things i find that's in uh has inspired me to level up my networking is being super clear as you said on what exactly i want like mm-hmm. almost as if I got it before I got yep. there, you know? Yep. So I love that you, you, you said that. What are some other tips about networking skills? Uh, well, I think it's just practice, practice every day. Um, you're yeah. networking all the time, whether you're at work or whether you're in a certain organization and you guys have regional meetings or, you know, national meetings or whatever the case may be. Um, it, it's a skill. And with every skill, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. Right. Um, so you, you really just need to practice every day. And like we, like we both said, you want to go into it intentional knowing what your goals are and who you want to meet. Um, so that way you, you sort of can level set on, okay, well, did I achieve that this time? What can I do better next time to actually achieve that? Yeah. I want to add some ideas too, because I think sometimes we forget that networking skills, um, Mm -hmm. aren't as mechanic as like Mm -hmm. textbook. This is what you got to do. Like sometimes I feel like some of my best networking moments have been just being memorable, like wearing nicer clothes than normal, wearing a particular color, popping, Mm -hmm. making Mm -hmm. sure the makeup is together, you know, for the ladies, Um, (laughs) but also being intentionally friendly. Mm -hmm. I think we forget the human business model of doing things in a way where people feel like you heard them or you listened. Um, I, I find myself going back to some age old, like people books, uh, I think Dale Carnegie, Dale Carnegie's book on uh, how to win friends and influence people, people. like literally yep. remembering people's names or spending mm-hmm. extra time getting to know them. Uh, people love talking about themselves. Um, but I know for me, 
I, I can't, I, I keep going back to it just because it's, it's so real to me in the last year of being super intentional about what exactly I want to get out of a networking mm -hmm. event. And I only mm -hmm. bring back that point because I don't know about you, but I get very winded at networking. Mm -hmm. events. Like I'm a, I'm an ambivert. So I'm in the middle of extrovert and introvert. I get yep. super winded. Like I'm tired. Yep. Literally, mm -hmm. makeup will start running. <laughs> I, my, my eyes start twitching. And so yep. I become very aware that, like, this is energy leaving my body. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yep. I have to be very intentional before I go. Yep. So. yep. And I'm the same way. I, I like to call myself an extroverted introvert. Um, you know, I, I deal well with people, but I prefer to be alone by myself, um, you know, um, so I get, I get in that same, right. Like there, by the time that, that retreat that I talked about it was two days. By the time I was done with that, I was tired. Okay. <laughs> like I, I needed some time off. I looked, I took the whole next day off completely. You were tired. Yeah. Yes. Like it, it's, it's draining. It is. Um, but you you are right. You have to develop your own tactics and techniques inside of networking that really help you be memorable and stand out. And then the other key is making sure you follow up, right? Oh, yeah. um, yeah. You know, right? And I have a follow-up strategy. Like, I'm going to send you that email, but yes, I'm going to connect with you on LinkedIn if I can find you too, because I want you to remember that face that you saw exactly. when you were there. And then you're more likely to respond to my email, right? Okay. So you got to figure out your own tactics for you. Like, actually, me growing out my hair was one of my tactics to be honest, in really? networking in my business. Yes, talk about because... that. No, talk about that. That's a... Why? <laughs> well, like, ne well, number one, it's not one of the reasons why I grew out my hair, but when I thought about it more, um, it sort of plays into it, right? I'm a young black male inside of this space, and now I'm a young black male who has natural hair um, inside yes. of this space. So, so you don't see that often. It's not something you come across no. often. Yeah. Right. So it makes it really hard for you to forget me. Um, <laughs> you know, um, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that guy with the hair. <laughs> Even when people don't say it. Like, these are the things we don't say, but it's visceral. It's like so exactly. human. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to find your own methods and tactics and things yeah. that are really going to help you stand out in your networking experience. I totally agree. I totally agree. So second rapid fire question, by the way, rapid fire question is supposed to be super succinct, but I know I Let's already go. love talking to you. All right. So the second question is best advice on finding a new job. I feel like you are, I already know what you're going to say. Go for it. Yeah. It's utilizing your network. That's really it. Or building a stronger network, whatever the case may be. You want to get those referrals. Referrals are key. They will get you in the door if they, you know, just to be seen beyond that, you have to sell yourself, but that would be the biggest thing is uh, utilize your network and infuse important keywords into your resume. Love it. I love it. Number three, best tip on personal branding. Uh-huh. So this one for me is drown out all the noise. Everybody will tell you what to do for personal branding, this, that, and the other. Ixnay it, X, goodbye, I don't care. Um, decide what you want to be known for and what you want people right. to remember about you. Yes. Yes. It does, what they tell you, it doesn't matter. You need to figure out what your purpose is. Um, and that's going to help you with your branding. I love it. I love it. I actually want to ask a sub question to that. Yeah. What made you come to that conclusive statement about personal branding? Is it, do you sense even in your, your portfolio of clients that people are so generic? Yeah. Um, what I, what I sense is that we're always trying to keep up with the Joneses, especially in the age of social media. Right. Ah. Um, and, and what works with career coach A is not going to work with me. 
Um, and, and the way you're going to build a brand, the way you're going to build a following is being your authentic you. Um, yep. Right. Is, is because there's too many of everybody else out there. There's only one of you. Right. And and the people who you're going to want to work with, your ideal clients, the people you align with, they're going to come to you and they're going to be attracted to you only when you are yourself. Right. Absolutely. I love that. It reminds me of um, a concept that I'm developing called the zone of genius. And I've used mm-hmm. it in my own coaching, my own coaching yeah. practice, because I think people forget you've got to be in alignment with yourself. To exactly. Sell yourself. So exactly. Really Number four, best strategy on crushing an interview. Oh. Give it to us. <laughs> so I got I got three quick points. So I would say research the company. You want to find out Absolutely. if they have any any major pain points, right? If you can find that out, you can figure out how you can utilize your skills to alleviate some of them, and you're going to automatically distinguish yourself as a candidate in that interview. Love it. Um, the second thing would be practice. Run through your experience, identify the highlights, and identify examples that you can use throughout your um throughout your interview because you don't want to be sitting there stuck uh right and and really the third thing is ask good questions at the end right (laughs) Um, i'm excited i'm sorry you know i love this this stuff yes yes it's great like one of my things it's a big bold strategy for me but when we're done when we're done with everything i always ask anyone who's interviewing me so now that we've had the opportunity to review my experience and you've seen my resume do you have any reservations about my ability to do the job? That's a really bold question to end on. It, it um, is. That's, that's actually, it's so funny. <laughs> the reason why I love the whole ask questions thing, it's yes. like for psychology. Like I'm, the reason why I like it, and it's for another reason. Mm-hmm. It's because it emboldens us to recognize <laughs> we're interviewing them. Them, Yes. It's so a two-way street. Somebody does a poor interview, which we all have had poor interviews. Come on now. Yeah. yeah. It lets us know how much do they prepare for having mm-hmm. somebody onboarded and in seeing their yes. work. Yes. But also, you know, one of the things I love about asking questions is um, I feel like asking questions uh, changes the power dynamics mm-hmm. and allows you to have a consulting approach to yep. the person you're going to work for. So they, yep. it almost yep. it lends itself to that entrepreneurship side of you, even though you're coming mm-hmm. in for a job. Yep. What do you think? <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I, you know, I think one thing we, we forget when we are interviewing for jobs is that this is a two-way street. You're interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. You want to know what it's like to work there. You want to know what their issues are, their pain points, their red flags, because it may be something you don't align with and you need to hit the hill <laughs> for the hills, right? Um, so, so it's very, very key. And, and, and that could also be a great place for you to stand out if you feel like you haven't done so well inside your interview. Like I have my bold question and I would not suggest, I would not suggest answering that asking that excuse me um if you are not prepared to maybe hear some criticism or have some professional rebuttals to it right but you can also sit there and and maybe one of the questions is well you know what are some of the pain points that you guys are experiencing that you hope this candidate can come in and help alleviate and they're going to then lay that out on the table for you and now you can speak to how your skills really help inside of that right or you can do certain things that really help you stand out more as a candidate so i think it's a great area for you it is. I think it's secret weapon stuff right there. That's yeah. <laughs> the number five question is best advice on, and I don't know how much you, you give coaching on this, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. It's a rapid fire question. Mm-hmm. 
Best advice on negotiating salary? Yeah. So the first thing I tell my clients is never downplay your worth, right? You are worth something. Your skills are worth something. And I think one time we all have the ability to sort of downplay our skill set and our worth. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing is do your market research. Um, So that means Glassdoor, Salary.com, Payscale, and really identify that market value and marry it with what you think your skill set is worth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I, I say is, if you are asking for a number, you need to ask for an exact number. So instead of $75,000, ask for $74,750, um, right? Because, and I say this because there was a study by Columbia's Business School that shows that when you ask for a precise number in your initial negotiation request, you're more likely to get a final offer closer to what you were hoping for. Okay. So instead of seventy five thousand ask for less? Well not ask for less, but like, you <laughs> okay. know, not not necessarily so it might be seventy five thousand five hundred and fifty. Right. Or right. whatever the case might be. Right. Whatever number you land on. But it's it's ask for something that's more direct because what happens is employers then assume that you've done your research. And they are more likely to give in to what you're doing. It's all up here. It's all up here. That's good. That's really good. (laughs) So, yeah. That's a good point. I've actually not heard anyone say that. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Number, well, well, here's, no, no, I'm actually, this this is off script. Mm -hmm. So, let's say we coach people, right, to go for gold, do their market Mm -hmm. research, be empowered, do the practice, right? Off script. Mm -hmm they get a no. How do you coach people to recognize how to do the real negotiation? I don't think the negotiation stops after you pitch for a higher raise or you pitch for a higher number. I feel like there is, I'm learning. I've seen it because I've Mm -hmm. gone through it recently. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that there's something to keeping the conversation going somehow. Yeah. So if you're in a negotiation state and they come back and say, no, there's, you know, that doesn't mean that the negotiation stops there. Um, You know, um, when you're negotiating, you never go in with the exact number that you're looking for, right? You're going in with higher. So you have wiggle room to play with. So if they come back and say, no, okay, drop it down a little bit lower. You should still not be exactly where you were asking what you want anyway you should be a little bit higher at that point too so um you know the negotiation doesn't stop there but then beyond that if you guys cannot reach sort of an amicable solution it is okay to walk away from an opportunity and that's fine the one thing that i would say is you need to assess sort of um you know are you taking into account the whole picture and when i say that like the entire compensation package, right? Like what do the PPL programs look like? Or is there tuition reimbursement? Is there, you know, you need to make sure that you're, you're looking at it holistically. And if you have, and you decided that they are not paying you fully for what you are worth, then you need to step away and you can find another company that, that really will do that. Yeah. I've also heard from a lot of friends. I'm sure you've heard it too. I think one of the, uh, the biggest game changers in salary negotiation is when you can get a better offer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this company's paying me this. So, I mean, yep. recently I had a, a direct report who was leaving and, you know, literally came down to him just getting a better offer. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yep. That happens all the time when you're actually in a job already as well. Like it's, it's, it's a great tactic to be like, Hey, I got this offer and I could really leave. And if, if you've been putting forth value and work and your organization actually appreciates the work that you've done, right. they will more than likely try to accommodate in some fashion that doesn't mean they're going to meet everything but they're going to try to accommodate and that really lets you know if the organization cares for you as an employee as well 
Absolutely. Number six, best tip you've ever heard about career success. This is for you personally, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, no two paths look the same. Yeah. That, I think that's the biggest thing. While somebody may be holding the job you want, the path that you will take to get there will be completely different. So you need to trust your process and not try to make your process someone else's process. Um, that's, a, that's a word. <laughs> Praise them. <laughs> that's a good word. So um, the next, the seventh question is your best song or success quote that's, mo- that's motivated you. In your okay. Life. So I'm going to, everybody does quotes and, and this, that, and the other. So I'm going to stick away from, I'm going to go away from the quotes. I'm, I'm going to go down the song route and I'm going to sort of, I'm going to code switch and go back to just regular Tristan here. The song that motivates me most right now is Best Life by Cardi B and Chance the Rapper. Really? Uh, That's <laughs> yes. a good song though. That was a good it's song. Amazing. It's an amazing song. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really gives me a, a little church, a little, a little, a little trap, a little everything yeah, all it's mixed a in the one. Exactly. You know, so. It's real inspirational for me because I think it speaks to me as a person. Oh, <laughs> so, and honestly, I feel like Cardi B embodies that, like for real. Uh, hello, she is the she's the essence of owning who you are, and then you can see that people flock to her simply because she is who she is. Yeah, that, and also coming up, like literally yeah. Drake style, like from the bottom yeah. to the top, literally, almost absolutely, overnight. absolutely. <laughs> yep. So. Yep. <laughs> yep. So. Number eight, what is Tristan's personal idea of success? So this is something that I struggle with when I, when I, when I saw anything about this question. It's just because mm-hmm. this is something that's ever evolving for me, right? For sure. So, so, what, so what I tell you now may be completely change. different if you ask me in a month. <laughs> exactly. Um, so right now, the idea of, the, well, the idea of success for me is growing my business to the point where I can rely on it solely as my main source of income, okay. right? Um, and, and really the reason that's success for me is because this, this would provide a level of freedom and flexibility that I truly think defines success. Right. Um, and, and so really that's where my focus is. That's where a lot of my energy is right now. Um, and I think that really is where my personal, uh, uh, excuse me, personal idea of success really lies at this moment. I can totally relate to that. And I appreciate you sharing that. I think sometimes, again, uh, the reason why I ask this question is it's personalized. It's yeah. Not, it is not a cookie cutter stamp of no. idea of success to become a VP. Mm-hmm. Right? My personal idea of success is, you know, house and this car or whatever. And that no, no shame if it was. No. But, no. But literally, that is something that I really strongly encourage people to recognize. Your personal idea of success changes. You yeah. have a personal idea of success at 18, at 25, is different at 30 or 36 or 40, mm-hmm. you know, and it's okay for it to shift. So I appreciate that, that premise you had at the beginning. Yeah. And if you, if it, it, for me, the way I feel, and this may not, this may not be the same for everybody, but if this does not shift for you, then I think it's um, something you need to sit down and reflect on and really reflect on whether you are stagnant and complacent and comfortable with where you are and, and have you been growing in any fashion, right? Yeah. Because you're going to, if you're out here working, you're going to achieve that level of success. And then what's next? That level of success should change. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So. Number nine, what book, this is our final question. What final question. Would you recommend <laughs> to the She Ventures tribe and why? Um, so I'm going to go a little off the beaten path. Um, I don't want to recommend the typical things that people are going sure. to, to recommend. Right. So there's a book. 
um, out there called Mix Emotions. Um, and it's co-authored by Pollyanna Reed and Andrew Wynn. Um, and Andrew's actually the guy who, who, who did the BYOB retreat, the Build Your Own Brand retreat that I talked about. Um, so actually, I had, the book sits on my desk. It's right here, literally. Wow. Um, um, and, and really, the reason that I would, I'm recommending it is, number one, because it's probably not known by your tribe very well. Right. Um, num number two, since I attended his retreat th uh, this past May, I heard both him and Pollyanna speak, and they are just amazing and inspiring all the time. Um, but number three, this book is all about creating your brand. And it's broken out into three different sections. So the, the first is for those who don't know what they want. Um, the second is for corporate nine to fivers. And the third is for entrepreneurs. So they really teach you how to mold and shape yourself in sort of the different realms that we, we tend to fall in in our professional careers, right? Whether we are confused about where we want to be, whether we know we want to be in a corporate job, or whether we're trying to venture into the entrepreneur space, they, they're people who have done it in both sectors. Um, you know, Pollyanna herself, she's, she's a, a double hustler. She has a full-time gig and she runs a full-time, you know, a full-time business as well. Uh, you know, and Andrew's, Andrew come from the same, the same space. So they, these are people who've done it. Um, and I think, that, I think they give some good feedback. And the one thing I really like about the book is that they don't always disagree on the methods to take. And, and, and I think that's the best thing about it is that it shows that there's no one method that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So it is funny. It's the same with corporate life and navigating the corporate mm -hmm. industry. The same with navigating entrepreneurship and even mm -hmm. your own personal life and coming up. What exactly is your definition of success? It's not all going to be the same as somebody else's. So I appreciate no. that. and I appreciate your thought pattern of, of why you recommended that book. <laughs> Byob is relatively new though, too, isn't it? Yes, last this this year was their first year, um, and so it was their inaugural year. They had a great attendance, over a thousand entrepreneurs and, and professionals overall, and um, it was in D.C. this past year, and next year it's going to be in Atlanta. Um, so I I've already bought my ticket. I will be there. If any of your uh, She Venture tribe is there, please come find out. me. Yeah, <laughs> I found out about it after the actual retreat, so I was like, ah, uh, yeah. but next year for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And so my final question is, what's the one thing you think be, you believe people keeps people stuck in a career that they don't enjoy? And, I, and I'll tell you a little bit more about this question, right? I'm sure you keep up on mm -hmm. the Gallup polls around career and career mm -hmm. change. But, you know, something like between 60 and 70 percent of the American workforce are either unhappy or actively disengaged from their job on a day to day basis. That's really a mm -hmm. high number. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have you know, 60, 70% of the American workforce that don't like their job, that leaves only around 30, 35, 35% of the American workforce that actually love their job or engaged in it. What do you think keeps people in, in, a, in a place of feeling stuck or at a job that they don't like? So there's two things that I think, and they, they sort of play off of each other. Um, so job searching is very difficult. If you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how to, to, to you know, tailor it and how to start. Um, and so sometimes I think that leads to complacency and comfort, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that that's the main thing that I'd say keeps a lot of people stuck in their careers, just simply because we grow accustomed to the salary, we grow accustomed to the lifestyle we, uh, that our current job affords us. And then we end up telling ourselves things like, I've been here so long that I don't know where to start, or I'm not going to find another opportunity that pays me this well, or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and we tell our, all of ourselves all of these things, and 
you know, you tell yourself something enough, you begin to believe it. Um, so I think a lot of people are out here, they're unhappy, but they don't understand. And I think this is the one thing that will help them get out of this is they don't understand that they have the agency to make their career what they want. Mm. And, and it's, if you can come to that realization alone, um, great, that's amazing. But sometimes that means hiring a professional to really help you talk through and figure out where you want to go and how you are going to get there and to really understand the experience you have and value the experience you have right right? um so i think it's really that complacency and comfort that's just bred by the things that we all have you know the student loan debt the credit card debt the everything and it's like oh god i need to pay these bills i can't just quit my job yeah you shouldn't just quit your job let's just talk about that um (laughs) let's be real but, you know, we also should not feel that we don't have control over our own careers. Right. Um, we are, we, I think everybody's heard this. You are the CEO of your career. You drive what happens. Um, and I think a lot of people have lost that. And I think oftentimes it's not taught in corporate culture as well. Um, th- because, not. you know, they're going to lose people. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, I think that's, those are the biggest things and that's how I would go about solving it. Yeah. Tristan, you've been phenomenal as a guest. I have so enjoyed this time with you. As you can tell, I'm I'm sort of a cheerleader over here, Um, (laughs) but you know, it comes from an intrinsic place. I have a, I, I, as a career coach, fellow peer here in our industry, um, I have a natural passion just to talk about constantly uh, career, Mm -hmm. mostly because you know what, it's very much so uh a form of personal development right Mm -hmm. like a lot of everything that we've talked about has hinged on people doing deep introspection soul searching Mm -hmm. personal reflection all of these things that take time it takes effort it takes prodding it takes encouragement and you know it's been so refreshing to talk to somebody that gets it and so (laughs) i just appreciate you and i am like your number one cheerleader because i love (laughs) post i love seeing how we're both growing or both emerging it's just out there in Detroit. I'm here in Florida. It's just so cool yeah. to have to build our network of people yep. who know that are are doing the same thing. And yes. I want to show you some love and let you know, like, much prosperity to everything that you're doing. Look, same to you. I can't thank you enough for reaching out to me to to bring me onto the podcast and for following me and, and really interacting and engaging with the things that I'm doing. And like you said, it's really great to build a network because you know, I'm the type of person we do the same thing and some people will find that just, oh, you're you're mingling with competition. And I'm like, look, there are I enough know. resumes and careers to go around. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I also believe in what you're doing. And yeah, I love absolutely. how passionate you are about resume writing i'll be honest full disclosure i don't i don't i'm not passionate about resume writing i'm yeah. not like yeah. i will be sending people your way like <laughs> no 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 well, so thank serious. You. no thank no you. problem whatsoever i i feel like you know we have a common mission in, in yes this. and so i'm all about contributing to the industry and promoting yeah. people i have no problem same so. same and i i'm excited about all the growth you've had and all the growth you're going to have and i'm excited listening and watching and supporting from the background. I appreciate it. This podcast episode has been brought to you by People's Insurance Services, where protecting is caring. If you're looking for competitive rates for your auto, home, or commercial insurance needs in Florida, 
call 954-733-8500. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher.